Hello, 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 and welcome into episode 95 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer. We're proud to come to you every Saturday, part of the great OutSports Podcast Network, and it's fitting. Just as we are approaching our 100th episode here on the Sports Kiki, I am approaching my 29th birthday. That's right. I turned 29 on Sunday. Happy birthday to me. If you want to reach out with texts, tweets, Insta DMs, feel free. That's always appreciated. But the t- the best way to get to the center of my heart is by sending me cash. So hit me up on Venmo. Alex Dash Reamer is my Venmo name. There you go. Easy. I'm not asking for much. I'll even settle for $5. That's, you know, almost an overpriced coffee. So there you go. 29. Cash. Green. That's what I want. All right. So no excuse for any of you to not reach out to me tomorrow on Sunday because I just told you. Anyway, we have a few stories to talk about on this week's show. I'm going to spend most of our time, though, on one story, which we'll talk about right now. It's the biggest LGBTQ sports story in the country right now, and I think will probably continue to be the biggest, or at least one of the biggest, LGBTQ sports stories as we head further into the winter season. I am talking about trans Ivy League swimmer Leah Thomas. Now, who is Leah Thomas, for those who don't know? Well, she competed on the men's team at UPenn for three seasons. Now she's on the women's team in her senior season, and she's following NCAA rules. NCAA rules say a transgender female student athlete who has taken medication to suppress testosterone for a year, may compete on a women's team. And that's exactly what Lee Thomas has done. Uh, Leah Thomas, rather, has done. She's taken medication to suppress her testosterone for a year. She meets the requirements, and now she's finishing out her college athletic career on the women's team. So Leah Thomas is in the news because she is absolutely dominant. After an event last weekend called the Zippy Invitational, she is now the conference record holder in the Ivy League in two women's swimming events. Those two events, the 200-yard freestyle, the 500-yard freestyle, she has the fastest times in the country and is one of only two athletes in each to meet the A standards of qualification, giving her a direct invitation to the national championships next March. So how dominant is Leah Thomas really? Well, how about really dominant? She has now bested the then-conference record in the 200-yard freestyle by 3.22 seconds. And in the 500-yard freestyle, she's bested the record by 2.25 seconds. For those who may not know, that's a really long time in the pool. And her season has just gotten started. Her times will likely continue to drop. So Thomas is already the national top seed in two NCAA events. She's the fifth seed in a third event, another uh, freestyle swimming event. So she's dominant. She's an out-trans athlete. And thus, she has the most compelling story of any LGBTQ college athlete heading into the winter sports season this year and possibly ever, as our Sid Zegor wrote on OutSports this week. So, a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm piggybacking off Sid, who wrote a column 
about Leah Thomas and how the media has handled her ascent, and more specifically, how the LGBTQ media has largely ignored her success. This has been a huge story all over right-wing media. Outkick, the Clay Travis site, has run a number of stories about Leah Thomas, pretty much daily coverage at this point, and obviously they're not framing it in the most favorable of terms. This is how they talk about her in a supposed neutral news story. Leah Thomas, the University of Pennsylvania swimmer who competed as a male for three seasons at the Ivy League school before joining the women's team this season, and then they go on, so okay, make you know right away, male for three seasons before joining the women's team, making it sound as if she, yeah, woke up one day and said, I'm a woman, let me go on the women's team. They also use his, her as Thomas's pronouns, which is just beyond disgraceful and disrespectful. Uh, we have yearly awards at OutSports, and I don't want to give away too many t- uh, state secrets, but one of our candidates for our annual Asshole of the Year Award are people who intentionally misgender trans athletes, and that's what OutKick did right there. Just despicable and mean-spirited. Um, but I continue. The New York Post has also been covering uh, Leah Thomas, Uh, They wrote an op-ed. The New York Post editorial board published an op-ed. Dominating in women's sports as a trans athlete is fundamentally selfish. They've also covered this story. Penn teammate speaks out against transgender swimmer Leah Thomas. Fox News, of course, has dedicated ample time to Leah Thomas. Right-wing Twitter people, Christian websites and outlets have also been wall-to-wall Leah Thomas for the last week. And as I said, this is not going to go away anytime soon as long as she continues to win in the pool. So the right-wing media obviously is all over this because it feeds into their narrative about trans athletes and trans female athletes in particular. And that narrative has been, this is unfair, it's cheating, it's, 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 it's actually anti-women because these trans women are taking away opportunities from cisgender women. I mean, you know all of the arguments. We've talked about them ad nauseum uh, for the whole time we've been doing this little podcast. And we obviously write about them a lot at Outsports. And by the way, Carly Webb is one of our great contributors. Uh, she's an out trans woman, and she has a great column and essay about Leah Thomas out on the site right now. Trans panic comes to an Ivy League pool. I encourage you to read that. And I say that because obviously as a soon-to-be 29-year-old white guy, I I really am not in touch with the trans experience, but working at OutSports for nearly two years now, talking with a number of trans advocates, trans people, trans athletes, I'd like to think I have more insight into this issue now than I did prior to working here. So... Here, here's my take, and as I said, I'm piggybacking on Sid's take, which is that the right-wing media is taking Leah Thomas' story and running with it because it fits into what they've been saying about trans athletes. It fits into their narrative. On the other hand, that is probably the reason why most in the LGBTQ media are ignoring Leah Thomas's story and running away from it because this is different. This is a story of a female trans athlete who is competing with the women like we say we want them to be able to do, and she's dominating 
and she is shattering records. And it's kind of an unspoken thing, but Sid wrote this in his column, and it's something that I have noticed as well. And frankly, it's an argument that I've spouted on this show. When I used to do talk radio in Boston, I would say this all the time whenever this topic would come up. And the defense is, the common defense is, when you talk about trans participation, is, ah, that's all overblown anyway. Trans athletes don't win every race or every competition. Trans athletes aren't dominant. So it's really, that's really just fear-mongering. They're just, they're on the same level as everybody else, if not a little worse. You know, we, we want trans athletes to do well and to play and participate, but we don't want them to do too well because that blows it all up, right? Because again, an argument is, and I know it because I've said it, is, well, the whole story about them dominating, that, that doesn't happen anyway. That's a lie. Well, it's not a lie here because Leah Thomas is dominating. She's setting records. She was a good swimmer on the men's team. She finished second in multiple Ivy League events in her sophomore season. So she was good on the men's. Now she's great with the women. And, you know, here's the thing. I mean, this is what we say we want, right? This is what we want. Leah Thomas is following the rules. She's not a cheater, which is what she's been labeled as in the Post and Fox News and other media outlets of that ilk. She's following the rules, and as a result, the LGBTQ media and community and trans advocates, and we need to step up and defend her and talk about this story because we are abdicating the floor to Fox News on this. We're giving up the floor to Clay Travis on this. I mean, to Ben Shapiro, people like that. Do we really want to do that? This is not a cut and dry story. There's a lot of complexities to it. Unfortunately, we can't really have those debates because no one does nuance anymore and it's either the good team or the bad team and there's no shades of gray. But look, by not saying anything about it, the LGBTQ media is seeding the floor. That's what I was looking to say earlier. I don't think abdicating the floor is correct. So they, we, they, we are seeding the floor, seeding the floor to these anti-trans forces. Well, we're not going to do that at Outsports. We're going to continue to cover Leah Thomas. We're going to celebrate her success because, again, this is what we say we want. We want trans athletes to compete in accordance to their gender identity, and we want them to succeed. Well, Leah Thomas is doing both, and we're quiet about it. And here it is again. We're seeding the floor to anti-trans forces. So either it's okay or it's not. Either we're in favor of trans athletes competing or succeeding in accordance with their gender identity, or we're not. You know, we can't only talk about this when a state legislator legislature wants to ban trans high school athletes from competing, and then we can say they're high school athletes. What does it matter anyway? It's about it's about being with your friends and social development. So we have all those arguments down pat when we talk about anti-trans bills moving through state legislatures. But when it comes to a trans athlete in college in the Ivy League, a competitive conference, Division One, who's swimming and competing and dominating and setting records, literally, we're we're quiet about it because that doesn't fit into the neat narrative. No, I say congratulations to Leah Thomas. She's following all the rules and some athletes are better than others. And that's what it is. And not every trans athlete is Leah Thomas, but she is. 
and she's doing great, and she's not a cheater. She's following the rules, and it would be nice if the NCAA spoke out as well. They set their trans policy in 2011, so 10 years ago, and this is the first high-profile example of a trans female athlete dominating her sport, and it would be nice if the NCAA stepped up and explained that no Fox News uh, or no New York Post editorial board. She's not selfish. She's not cheating. She actually is following our rules. And here is why our rules are okay. Here is why our rules are backed by science. That's a thing. Explain why scientifically, medically, it is fair for trans female athletes to compete with biological cisgender females. Explain that. Explain that. You can't just ignore it. This is not going away. Can't just cover your ears. This is not going to go away. They'll continue to beat this drum, and we have to offer some sort of counter, or else, here's that phrase again, we just seed the floor. So yeah, I'm sure we'll do a lot more uh, Leah Thomas coverage as the winter sports season progresses. I'm sure we'll do some uh, good interviews about that story as well, because it's very interesting, and there's a lot of complexities to it, but basically, we, we got to stop being silent is my main point. Uh, the other story I wanted to get to here is we, of course, run our coming out stories on OutSports, and we ran one, ran one this week about a college athlete named Mike Welch who competes in soccer and track, and the genesis of his coming out story was that as a closeted athlete in high school, he felt very self-conscious about his place on the field. So as a result, he worked his ass off and trained harder than anybody else to become one of the best athletes at his high school. And he's continued that in college, and he's an elite athlete in college. And there's a couple sides to this. On one side, you say, hell yeah, the best way to shut up homophobes is to beat them on the field. That's awesome. But you also say that this is something we hear a lot from LGBTQ athletes, that they have to, they feel like, they have to train harder, be tougher, and be better. Go above and beyond their uh, their non-gay peers, their straight peers, because they have to prove that they really belong. And, you know, gay men can play sports too. And look, we're better than you are anyway. So take that. And, you know, one day I hope that's not the case, that gay athletes, LGBTQ athletes feel like they need to be better in order to belong, but it's something women say all the time as well in the professional world, that they feel like they have to work harder, be smarter, be better just to get to the same place as men. It's the same thing with gay athletes. They feel like they have to be better, train harder to be at the same place as their straight peers. Uh, and hopefully that feeling... Hopefully that becomes less and less true as time goes on, but I just thought that Mike Welch's story was really interesting because it's something that, again, a lot of gay athletes feel, and it was uh, fascinating to see him put that down on paper, or I guess, well, he published online, so on his Microsoft Word app, I don't know, but it was nice to read it nonetheless. And lastly, I do want to give myself a plug. I wrote a story this week about soccer in the UK. Not always my specialty, but it's very interesting. So we've talked on the show before, and I actually got a message about it this week from a listener, about the Pudo chant in Mexico. How Mexican soccer fans continue to chant that gay slur, uh, Punto, which means male prostitute, 
and they've been barred from the national team's matches because of their behavior, disciplined by FIFA, etc., but it doesn't stop. Well, that word actually comes from an English expression, rent boy, which is, as you, as you would suspect, what people say when they're referring to a male prostitute. And since the 1980s, that chant has been a stubborn part of the UK soccer culture. Fans chant rent boy at players who played for Chelsea United, or not Chelsea United, my goodness, Manchester United. I told you I'm not a soccer expert. Scratch that. Fans chant rent boy at players who play for Chelsea, have played for Chelsea, really anybody who is affiliated with Chelsea. And it even happened earlier this month, Colin Gallagher is a midfielder who's on loan to Leeds United from Chelsea. And in the middle of the Rainbow Laces campaign, he was pelted with the rent boy chant. What is the genesis of this? Why are they calling people affiliated with Chelsea male prostitutes. Well, a couple of theories for that. One of them is that decades ago, again, dating back to the 80s, a hooligan, a Chelsea hooligan was caught with a male prostitute by police. So that's rent boy chant. There also used to be a large concentration of LGBTQ nightclubs, bars, and venues around Chelsea. They're, they, right now, in modern times, uh, they have a Russian billionaire owner who outspends teams exactly like George Steinbrenner's Yankees. So some people say that as we've evolved, that chant stays, but the meaning now is more about just you know mocking that the, 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 the Chelsea for spending more than anybody else and their players are just rent boys. They go in and out, but still rent boy is intrinsically an anti-gay term. And it just I spoke to a number of... LGBTQ soccer fans in the UK who had LGBTQ fan groups, and they're just tired of it. They're tired of hearing this word. They're tired of hearing it shouted about, and they're tired of the excuse that, oh, we don't know what that means, or oh, we don't know, we don't mean anything homophobic by it. We're making fun of Chelsea for spending more than anybody else. I mean, it's amazing that in the United Kingdom, a very uh, you know progressive country socially in a lot of aspects. A very gay-friendly country, especially in the cities, that they still have this chant, Rent Boy, be ubiquitous part, a stubborn part of their soccer culture. So I thought that was interesting to delve into. Feel free to read the story. If I get clicks, it helps me out. So there you go. Thank you, as always, for listening. Episode number 95 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. As always, if you want to reach out to me, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. At AlexDreamer1 is my username. That, again, is at AlexDreamer1. So long. Talk to you all next Saturday.